Share care, helping you. Get younger, get guidance, get better care, get smart, get fit. Radio MD presents Share Care Radio with Daria Long Gillespie, MD. Hello, this is Dr. Daria. Welcome back to Share Care Radio. The holidays are fast approaching and I am psyched about that. I got out my holiday decor last week, but it's also one of the busiest seasons in the ER with decorations, holiday cooking, and excitement of trying out brand new gifts like our new bicycles, there's a serious potential for a whole host of adverse events. So to keep you out of the ER and keep this from happening, I have fellow ER doctor and ASEP member, Dr. Ryan Stanton, here to help us talk about these and how to avoid them. Ryan, it's good to have you on the show. Well, thanks for having me. You're a little bit late on your decorating there if you're uh, just a weekend. Should have been the beginning of November to have that done. (laughs) I did get my daughter's Santa pictures taken at the beginning of November, and I was informed that it was far too early, and that explained her disdainful look sitting there on Santa's lap. Well, our family is usually the July sweater, green trees look, so you're still doing pretty good there. You know, I like that. I like that. And uh, so so far, knock on wood, haven't had any decoration-related accidents. Have you seen any in the ER so far? Yeah, the, the decoration, that's a big one. Um, you know, especially we're getting into now, it's, it's getting chillier, especially in our area. It's been a, lot of, a whole lot of rain. And so, um, you know, falls are a huge issue, especially mm-hmm. older men falling from the roof, you know, hanging lights, uh, getting things up, garland, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So falls are a big thing that we see in the emergency room. So we've seen uh, quite a bit of that. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's one of the top reasons of injuries around the holidays is very uh, Clark Griswold falling off your ladder off the roof absolutely mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't spend your life you're, if you're not young and healthy and agile or you don't spend your life on the ladder this is not a good time to be up on the ladder <laughs> pay somebody to do it or keep it uh, keep it on ground level to where the fall isn't that far yes and even those who are young and healthy they even the do they need to be careful too especially around the holidays they do that with a glass of eggnog Bad idea. Yeah, well, yeah. There, well, there's a lot of things you shouldn't do with eggnog or any other beverage um, that would land you in the emergency room. <laughs> the, the, the stories of eggnog in the emergency department. So true. Okay, so I interrupted you. Keep going. Well, so you want to make sure it's it's amazing the number of very solid objects that you have around the house, um, and you don't find them until you start to fall off, whether that's a railing you know, or concrete or something like that. I see a, a huge number of folks that come in, with whether it's just lacerations or head injuries or fractures from falls. And so it's really not worth it. Um, so you want to make sure that if you are going to be out there hanging things up, that um, even better, hire somebody else to do it or take the steps to make sure that ladder is steady mm-hmm. um, and secured to where it's not going to fall over because that's another thing also is fall is that ladder settling into that mulch and uh, mixing and you know, the ladder's going down and you will follow it to the ground and uh, it, it always tends to end poorly, and it tends to end with you or I, one of our ER doctor friends, um, asking the questions on the other end. Yes, exactly, and nobody wants to see us in the ER. I'll be honest, and it doesn't hurt my feelings. I get it. You don't want to see me there. We are probably some of the only doctors that want to work our way out of the job by keeping everybody healthy and safe. If if I can spend Christmas doing absolutely nothing at work, I will be perfectly happy. Exactly, which is why we have you here. Okay, so falls, watch out with ladders, and stepping up to reach anything higher for decorating. What about some other injuries? Well, some of the bigger things that we tend to see um, that we want to hit on that are going to be really common are, ones the injuries associated with sharp objects. Mm -hmm. Um, We've seen some things going around recently about the clamshell boxes. 
oh, uh, yeah. packages that are out there that are, they're going to cause injury. So knives, you want to make sure that you're very careful with knives. It's a lot good way to get cuts, especially Christmas morning. And the ERs will be open Christmas morning, but you don't want to spend the morning there. So you want to make sure that you're very careful with knives, um, especially don't, don't have them around children. Mm-hmm. You know, they can easily stab themselves or get uh, cuts associated with that. Um, tools, putting things together. Um, when you may be putting together that toy or object out there, you want to make sure those tools are safe, um, that you're careful with those hammers, that you don't want to end up with an injury. Especially those late-night decorating or late-night putting the gifts together. The number of parents I see that come in at you know 1 and 2 in the morning because they were rushing to get the tr- presents under the Christmas tree. Panic trying to get those together, mm-hmm. read instructions at 4 or 3 or 4 in the morning. Yes. I'm really, ER doctors are used to being up that late, but most people aren't. <laughs> so it's probably not the safest time. You're not at the top of your game. And a lot of times, you, you mentioned the clamshells, and we see more and more of that. People, and again, for all of our listeners, those are all those plastic-wrapped, hard plastic-wrapped toys that you're trying to rip through to get the toy out and inevitably end up cutting yourself when you're trying to cut it open with scissors or a knife or whatever implement you're using. And those are, yeah, and so even if it's not the knife that you're using, when you cut that plastic, it's mm-hmm. typically rigid enough that when you start to pull it open, you can easily cut yourself as well. Yes. I've, done, I've cut myself on those um, many times. And mm-hmm. so you want to make sure that you're really careful with that. And I guess we would be remiss in at Christmas if we didn't mention the food. Yes. The food re- is a good way to end up in the emergency room. <laughs> this is true. Both preparing it and depending on how you're eating it, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of great food out there. And um, so you're going to end up, you know, make sure that you prepare it safely. Even mm-hmm. those raw meats away from any things that won't be cooked, um, making sure that once you prepare it, that you put it away immediately. You don't leave it out there. That potato yes. salad um, is going to go south really quick if if you leave that out there. Even with it being chilly outside, the inside of the house is full of germs. And another mm-hmm. thing also, and we'll see this quite a bit with holidays, is be careful with those food allergies. With children, mm-hmm. with traveling, um, with adults that may have food allergies, Make sure that you're very careful with the food allergies because it's a good chance to get exposed to peanuts, which is one of the most common ones, mm-hmm. other types of allergies that may land folks in the ER. And if you're going to travel and your child or family member has a lot of allergies, you need to make sure you take that EpiPen with you uh, yeah. because you want to be prepared because that's one of those type of reactions that you don't have time to find another one to fill a pres- prescription or get to the emergency room before things can, uh, can, can get very complicated. So you want to make sure you have that with you and keep those, uh, keep those folks with allergies safe. That's a really great point. And a couple of different things, because you're right. When you're cooking and you have everybody in the kitchen, it's uh, more chance for there to be some exposure to something that somebody, you know, somebody may put peanuts in or something else that one of the people eating may be allergic to. Or they may leave the food out. We leave the food out on the buffet table for hours while you have your Christmas dinner. And it's also a lot more in- chance of getting burned from cooking. Absolutely. Well, and you know, Aunt Maud may not know that Junior's got a peanut allergy, mm-hmm. so she may have her legume salad um, that she brings in, or that some brownies that nobody knows that she puts peanut butter in it to, mm-hmm. to help flavor it. The secret the ingredient. food is left out. You mm-hmm. start you start relaxing. The food lays out, but you don't want to waste it, so then you dump it into the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's a huge risk, and so um, we want to make sure that everybody takes care with that. Yeah. And that's every major holiday that we see. Um, in the emergency room, a lot of foodborne related illnesses and allergies. I mean, we've we we spike from basically Thanksgiving through uh, Christmas. 
mm-hmm. with a lot of uh, the, the foodborne and food-related illnesses in the emergency room. I like to give one family member, I mean, when you have 15 family members, everybody wants something to do. They want a responsibility. So especially if you have anybody in your family who has allergies, I kind of make one person the food police. Give it to a cousin who you may not want them cooking the, the turkey, but it gives them something to do. Keep an eye out. Make sure that if uh, for allergies or any, if anybody has any allergies and keep an eye out for how long something's been sitting out, put it back in the fridge. Gives them something to do, makes them feel useful. In our last... Make sure put it in. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah you, just, you definitely want to make sure that, the, that, that there's somebody there or somebody's kind of on top of it. Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid that if you don't know how long it's been sitting out, you assume it's been a while, go ahead and toss it. It's much safer than um, than taking a run with it and finding out that five folks um, later get a trip to the ER for some fluids and some uh, and nausea medicine. Yes, that's an entirely different kind of holiday family bonding. And you know, like I say, when in doubt, throw it out. My mom taught it to me when I was little, and as a physician, it's some it's a rule that I keep. So, Ryan, thank you so much. Tell all of our listeners how they can find you on Twitter. All right, you can find me at Everyday Med, Everyday Medicine on um, Facebook. Um, so uh, you can catch us out there and uh, catch our podcast with the American College of Emergency Physicians as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. And again, we'll be tweeting all this information out and some more healthy tips through the rest of the month. And you can also check out the American College of Emergency Physicians' own Twitter page is at Emergency Docs. And follow me at Dr. Daria or ShareCare at ShareCare Inc. This is Dr. Daria, and you're listening to ShareCare Radio on Radio MD. Thanks for listening. ShareCare is the leading online health and wellness engagement platform, providing millions of consumers with a personal, results-oriented experience by connecting them to the most qualified health resources and programs they need to improve their health. It's time now for ShareCare Radio on RadioMD.com. Here's your host, Dr. Daria. Hi, and welcome back. This is Dr. Daria. I am a mom of a toddler myself, and so I pay a lot of attention to these TV and screen time limits, so I know what she's supposed to watch and how long, especially if she's under two years old, we try to avoid it. But the American Academy of Pediatrics has said that they are looking again at those limits. So to help us make sense out of all of this and to tell me what I'm supposed to do for my toddler and all of us to know, I have pediatrician, and she's chair of the American Academy of Pediatrics Children and Adolescents. Oh, Academy thanks for having me. Group that literally did this work on this. And she's Dr. Ari Brown. Now, parents may also know her as author of Baby 411, Toddler 411, and the Expecting 411 series. And you've seen her everywhere from the Today Show to CNN and Dr. Phil. So, Dr. Brown, thank you so much for joining us. Now, you have teenagers yourself, I guess you said 17-year-old and a 20-year-old. So different media challenges than I have as a toddler, but challenges none the same, I'm sure. Um, absolutely. I think we all live in the digital age and are so connected and mm-hmm. um, somewhat addicted to our screens. So yeah. it's important to find a way to manage it in all of our lives. You're right. As I'm looking at what I should do for my child, I probably need to pay attention how much I'm looking at it too. So why are y'all looking at the guidelines again? 
Well, you know, like anything in the world um, and, and us trying to give good advice to parents, things are changing, things are evolving, and we are really trying to be up to date and translate the evidence um, to share with families so that they can make good choices for their kids. And so when it comes to policy statements, we do update our policy statements every five years, and the policy statement on media use in children under the age of two, that policy came out in 2011, mm -hmm. so it's time to look at it again anyway, okay. but the American Academy of Pediatrics really has been focused on this issue for the past three years, so we're really going to be looking at media use as a whole for kids. Well, it makes sense because the media use as a whole for kids has, has exploded. It's a totally different world in their availability of media. So have you changed the time limits or has that evolved yet? No, and you know, I think I need to be very clear up front to say that we have put out some new tips to share with families, but that is not a change in our policy. Our policy statements, uh, one of which people know is that we discourage screen time in kids under age two, mm -hmm. and that we try to set a limit of two hours a day of recreational screen time for kids over age two. Those policies are still in place, and what we've offered as tips have not changed or deviated from that. Um, we are simply going to be enhancing and broadening those policies when you see new policy statements but we have offered some really good concrete right things. and that's that's excellent so that keeps it in context of how we can follow those and I want to get into those tips I also just want to reiterate why you think it's important and why it is important that we limit this media use in our kids especially under the age of two we want parents to know Right. So for the youngest children, we know that kids learn best from real people and real things. And they are little sponges, as you know, mm -hmm. with a toddler in your house. I mean, they are watching and processing everything. And they get so much from those daily interactions and unstructured playtime, which helps them problem solve, which helps mm -hmm. them, you know, build these important skills and tools. So we don't want to take away childhood um, by kind of giving them opportunities um, that kind of take away that human interaction, which we know is so critically important for them. Interesting. So it's a human interaction. It's the unstructured. It's the problem solving. Okay. So give me tips, because especially as my child is around 22 months, it gets really hard because it's everywhere. So what do you tell parents to do? Well, the first, the first very important takeaway is be a good role model. So as you've already said, take a look at your own media use. And mm -hmm. it's really important to be present as a parent and not have your screen out when you're sitting there trying to have a meal with them. Um, even if you've finished your meal and your child is still playing with their food, that's not the time to pull out your smartphone and check your email. Mm -hmm. It's time to be engaged with them because they take their lead from you. So if you're showing them that their screen, your screen is more important than them, then that's that's how they're going to value their screens um, and want to play with them. Um, and so turn off your own screens. And when you're sitting there cooking dinner, don't turn on the news to be watching the news or listening to it. Sit there and talk to your child while you are preparing the meal because those really seemingly insignificant moments are actually really significant because you're teaching your kids the value of talking and their language development really thrives on that. So number one is be a really good role model. And it's okay to not have screens turned on, to have your child find something to do with mm -hmm. their time. So you can't play with them 24-7. Mm -hmm. It's okay for them to try to do some independent play time and to talk to them while they're playing if you can't sit down and play with them. Yeah. I know. I love one thing that you said is that I just think we have to I have to repeat. You know, if I have my screen out and my child's there, you're right. The lesson is that that, that screen is more important than my child. And that alone is enough to make me want to put away my phone. 
So we have to reiterate that reiterate the message that parents are sending. Okay, back into your tips. I just had to emphasize that. No, that is okay. Now you know the question that has arisen is you know is all screen time created equally? And really, when we looked at our policy in 2011, we didn't have all these mobile media things, and we didn't have apps that are designed yeah. for kids. We have no idea what that technology does, and that's one thing that we're going to be looking at. But you know, people have asked, well, is it okay for you know a grandparent? parent or a a family member who's on the road traveling to FaceTime with my Mm -hmm. 20-month-old, you know, that you know, that, that's a good question, and really, I don't think there's a downside to that because they really are trying to connect, and that seems to be um, where some of the technology is going, where kids really can get some benefits. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to have, if you have an ebook and you're reading to your child at night with an ebook, you know, that's probably fine because, in essence, you're reading to your child, mm-hmm. which is what we want you to do, and yeah. if you're connecting with a family member, that's probably okay. But sitting down to, you know, have them watch a TV show or a program on your, you know, any other screen, that really is discouraged. Okay. And, and that makes great sense. And it can be really tempting as a parent if you're busy or need to do something. I see a lot of parents, you know, hand the hand the phone to their child to watch it. You know, I know that I'm not supposed to let my daughter under two watch it, but I, I see the temptation at times. What are some other tips for parents to do to keep them from handing that phone? <laughs> right, and um, and so if there are, you know, and, and families will do this, and so um, so one thing that we would say to families who who actually are doing that is that co-engagement matters. So so being there with your child with the technology is important if that is something that you're choosing to do. Um, but yeah, are there other strategies? Yeah, I mean, I have kids in my office all day long who are bored because I'm talking to the parent, and so that the parent will hand the phone over instinctively without even thinking about it. And, you know, I, I will hand them over a piece of paper and a pencil and let them draw or, mm-hmm. you know, a cup and a few sticks and you'd be amazed what they can do, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you do have some other options you can pull out of your diaper bag or your purse. Just take them with you. Yeah. Um, so, um, because that that's really important is offering your, you know, know that your child's going to get bored and give them some things that they can do and you'll be amazed with what they can play with and create. Mm-hmm. That's true. And at that age, everything's new to them for so many of the young ones. So, let them learn. I know my daughter, if you hand her a couple of cotton balls or a piece of paper towel, she'll probably be fascinated for a half hour. Yeah, you'd be amazed with their creativity, right? And their imagination. So give them that chance. And okay. It's really okay for them to be bored. Okay. And in our last 30 seconds, any other tips for parents to help them with all of this? Right. So at the end of the day, we want parents to hear that you need to manage your child's media. And it's, it's not any different than any other type of parenting in any other environment. Mm-hmm. Set limits and be a good role model. Mm-hmm. Be a good role model. Yeah, you're right. And um, again, let's repeat, I want to repeat exactly what you're saying to all parents. Under two years, of, two years of age, no screen time. And just repeat all of that so everyone knows. Okay, so under age two, we discourage screen time and prioritize human interactions. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that co-engagement matters, so if you if your child is engaged with some sort of technology, okay. be there with them, be present, okay. be a good role model, set limits, and have tech-free zones. Okay. 
Awesome. I love it. I'm going to try more of this and I'm going to remember what you talked about when I'm at home with my little girl tonight. So Dr. Brown, thank you so much. Again, everyone can find more from Dr. Brown at 411pediatrics.com. And we'd love to hear more about your thoughts on how to control media in your own home. Tweet me at Dr. Daria. And this is Dr. Daria. You're listening to Share Care Radio on Radio MD. Thanks for listening and stay well. Stay well.